Life Happens with Pimelo Mutine on SAFM, leading the conversation. We're going to be dealing with NSFAS now, so you can start dialing in on 011-714-2007. As I welcome the outgoing NSFAS administrator, Dr. Randall Carolison, um, on the line to talk to us about what has just happened. Um, Dr. Carolison, thank you so much for making the time to talk to us. Good afternoon. Good afternoon and thank you for having me. I guess we, we've come to an end of a very difficult era. Um, you stepped down at the end of this month, correct? That's right, after 30 months or so, yes. Mm. And let me start with how all of this has affected you personally. I mean, I, I imagine that you, you didn't anticipate uh, being part of politics. You just wanted to get on with the job. But it's been difficult, has it not? Well, look, um, I always knew when I took the job that there will be a political aspect to it and that there will be... Some people actually say to me, you're going to pay a price for taking this job. Mm. Um, but at the end of the day, I'll be very honest with you, this was probably, besides anything else, an extremely gratifying period for my life because I could see the difference that we were making in people's lives. Mm. Um, and, you know, it's just changing one person's life. It was such a wonderful experience. So I'm extremely honored and gratified to have been offered this opportunity. Mm. And I think we made major progress. But that's for the public to judge. That's yeah. for the students to judge. That's for the vice-chancellors to judge. And uh, and for my minister to judge whether we've made that progress. But NESFAT is now on a good path going forward. Mm. Let's talk about some of the changes and, and what uh, this particular period has allowed us to achieve. Well, look, first of all, we uh, would recall, if you go back into the newspapers, uh, in August 2018, uh, the ca- all the campuses were going up virtually uh, planes because students didn't get their allowances. Mm. Uh, and so when an, uh, a government placed an institution under administration, that's quite a very dramatic step that they would take. And the administrator has got enormous amounts of power because he then becomes the de facto board as mm. well as the mm. executive management. Mm. And I was acutely conscious of that uh, of that uh, responsibility and power that I had, and that's why we developed mechanisms so that I can, you know, consult with the minister if I have to make big decisions. So that's the one thing. And mm. the second thing is uh, we were criticised for bringing on board external people. Now, mm. I mean, uh, when you look at it, you can't use the same people that mm. cause the problem to fix <laughs> the problem. Mm. And that's why I was forced to bring on board uh, external uh, professionals to to help us assist. And in August, we were able to uh, develop a system where we could unlock the money very quickly in three, three weeks' time and could bring stabilization to the campuses. Uh, and at the same time, also prepare for 2019. And so from 2019 onwards, we were able to notify students ahead of the time, before they even go to university, whether they were necessarily funded. Whereas in the past, they had to wait until July. So that means that there was no need for them to pay upfront payments or registration fees, which brought enormous relief to students. Uh, we also scrapped the uh, voucher system uh, mm. and uh, and the uh, monopoly that some people entitled themselves to, because the voucher system forced students to go to certain uh, vendors. Yes, and retailers. But beyond that, it also caused. Uh, enormous opportunities for fraud and corruption, which we then were able to stop. So students get cash payments at the moment, and they get it every month for the past two years. So we're very proud of that. 720,000 students get their money on time. We have delays at some institutions when we pay over to them, but the end goal is to move to direct payments into student bank accounts. Uh, and and, and that, that will take away all the intermediaries and all the opportunities for funds to be diverted. So part of the irregularities, as you're saying, I mean, I, 
One wouldn't call it irregularity at the time. It was just the way it was designed so that people can manipulate the system, things like vouchers and so on. But what were the irregularities that you found? Well, look, so first of all, I was totally uh, abhorred or shocked when a mother called me one day from a bookseller to mm. say that they refused to pay out the balance. Mm. She was rather buy something else and, and then they what? bought a you know, sunglass or something like that. <sighs> and, and and I was totally outraged by that, uh, that pe- that students' monies be kept off like that. So so scrapping that was one of the big things that, that, that I, I worked on very hard to do as quickly as possible. Dr. Carolison, just explain how that would have worked. So you get a voucher to buy books, yeah. uh, for instance, yes. uh, and when you still have money left, yes. then theoretically speaking, that money should be paid out to you. But in this particular instance, the the student when I think it was a lady, when she went to go ask for her money, yes. uh, the remainder of her money, they didn't want to give it to her and insist that she buy something different, Goodness. which I think it was a sunglass or something like that. Oh, uh, so the vendor would then make the call not yeah. to give you the money in cash, um, rather because they can't sell you books. So the limit of the money allocated yeah. to books had come to its, its cause. And then beyond that, they're saying, no, we're not going to give you money. Buy something else that we have in store. Yeah, for the remaining credit. Goodness. So that was totally flawed system. Mm. Um, and uh, that was one of the big achievements is to remove all the commercial interest mm. from the disbursement chain. And, chain. And, and remember, if you recall back, when we decided to pay students cash, there was a big uproar about our students going to be drunk mm-hmm. and they would drink mm-hmm. all the money. Mm. I mean, that just lasted for one month. Basically, mm. our students have shown that they are very responsible and they are managing their funds properly. And that's the right thing to do. They're adults. They're not children. Mm. You can't people like children and expect them to behave like mm-hmm. So that was a big thing. But the irregularity happens, the real irregularities happened. Uh, when we arrived, the irregular expenditure, which when you pay the wrong amount to somebody, mm-hmm. that, that would mean it's an irregular expenditure. It was estimated to be 2.5, uh, 250 million rand. When mm. we dug into the statistics, we found 7.5 billion rand, which mm. is 400,000 records that were irregular. So now those people receiving the wrong amounts mm. or the wrong people got paid and all that. So even whilst we were fixing this first, we still had to also fix the legacy issues of the past at the same time. Uh, I, I once said to Minister Panda, well, we better to just shut down this first and start it mm. all over mm. again because of the amount of, of issues that we had. But it was because uh, of the poor systems that Minister had. Now we had stabilized the systems but the systems need to be replaced completely. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is quite interesting. I'm going to um, just take calls because I said I will do that. And I know that we've agreed that we'll try and address some of the issues that are still perhaps still outstanding. 011-714-2006. Tobega, you're calling us from KZ and you, um, you, you are a regular on the show. I really appreciate you calling in. Good afternoon. Afternoon, Pamela, and afternoon to Mr. Carolison. Mm. Good afternoon. Afternoon. Yes, um, Pamela, today I'm calling and I don't have, I actually want to publicly thank Mr. Carolison mm. and his team at NASFAS because like, um, I think I was on the show actually like relaying some of the things. Yes. Um, but I think for years I'd struggled to even get um, study materials, obviously, yes. and um, devices being a blind person and getting my registration sent through. I think basically I struggled to the institution. Yeah. But I think Mr. Carolison, I think, went above and beyond for myself mm. and others because I ended up referring some 
students who are going through the same problem were also disabled like myself. Mm-hmm. And I tell you, Pamela, to date, all of us have received our devices. All of us cases were sorted. And I actually went to a point of where I had to contact Mr. Carolison on his cell phone and he was all his patient. Oh. So I think with me getting help, I think over 15 of us from Durban that are blind got the assistance that we needed that we had struggled to get for years. This so complete... I'd like to, to thank him. <laughs> I've got to give you oh, context. Yeah, you've got to get me crying. Yeah, me too. <laughs> i tell you what, Dr. Carolis, let me tell you. I have to tell you. So you obviously have your uh, engagement with um, with Tobega. We pers- we also have our own relationship with Tobega. So Tobega is one of those callers that holds us to account every single time, right? <laughs> it's every time. We, we've got to get our ducks in a row. We've got to hold people accountable. And I, I don't remember Tobega being happy with anybody that called that's our guest <laughs> oh, she, she pushes and pushes and this completely warms my heart because we we have to do what we have to do and we have to hold people accountable and for me to hear her say that there has been a fish an official that has delivered on their mandate it completely warms my heart I'm so happy to hear that and I mean listen dr Carol listen you can then completely go home you know feeling <laughs> feeling you know go home with your halo because you've achieved something if if, you know, Tobega says you've done well, I can tell you now, you really must have done really something special. You know, just to, just change the life of one person yeah. was more than enough for me. Yeah. I mean, we're funding 720,000 students, but just, just one person like this that you can yeah. able to sort out makes your day for you. So uh, I'm very happy to get this feedback because, you know, it is, it's been a tough journey, but yeah. we, we always tried our best. And we've got good people now in this I am so happy to hear from you, Tabega. I'm really happy about this. <laughs> and and listen, all the best to you. I'm so keep calling in, keep complaining. We love it when you do. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much, Pamela. Thank you, Mr. Carlson. Thank you. Good luck with the studies. Yeah, no, Thanks. absolutely Bye. good luck. So, so Dr. Carlson, um, we we have now devices that are only going to be. Uh, we hear that the minister was saying that they will only be available now, only next year. Uh, yes. The devices that um, that have been applied. For, for for those students who needed them. Um, any update on that? So, yes, yeah, that's a very important development. Um, so we, we had, look, it goes a little bit further back. So if the, initially the people referred to what the teaching material allowance, they referred to them for as book allowances, and they did that deliberately so that it can, people can use it only for books. Yeah. And we have been encouraging universities since I arrived, to also extend it to devices and data. I'm talking even well before COVID, because I know how well you can extend your 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 experience, your education experience by having a device. You know, you can log on to other sites and you can join chat groups and all those things. Yes. Uh, and some universities actually did do that. They switched part of their uh, allowances to devices and, and data. Now, a student gets 5,000 rand per year. If you multiply that by four, or actually 5,200, it's 22,000. So you can easily, within that four years, pay off a device and have sufficient data. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, of course, when COVID struck, some vice chancellor called me and they asked me to assist them to get devices because nobody knew how long COVID was going to happen. And yes. I said to them, but we already paid you out your 2020 allowance. We don't have more money, but what we are prepared to do is to advance your money against your 2021 okay. uh, allowances, which, of course, you know, you need to manage because some people mm. finish or mm. drop out and all those mm. things. Mm. And we then wrote to the minister and made this proposal, and 
and national treasury, and they were happy with it. And also what we then did, we then included the TVET students, which never before received allowances, which is very important because skills-based training requires computers. You don't mm-hmm. get draftsmen these days drawing on papers anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we then said we've got a, a billion rand in our reserves, which we will kickstart this process with. Then the tender process started. Yes. Government was initially going to centralize it because they were thinking that they could get bigger discounts on volumes. And National Treasury said, no, this was in this first process. We advertised. We had 150 applicants. To make a long story short, because there's so some uh, process around it, none of the 150 qualified. Really? Uh, we were pressurized to, to allocate to particular people, and I, we resisted. I told them, we, I'm not going to break the law. Wow. Uh, we re-advertised, and luckily we have appointed. Now, that caused, of course, a long delay, and I know people are angry about the long delay, um, but we followed the law. That I'm comfortable with. If I did was, not it, was, law, was, was it something, I mean, the, the, the reason all of the applicants were not qualifying, is it something negligible, or, you know, you're saying you followed the law, and I appreciate that, but is it something anybody can learn from? Now we learned from it certainly because when we developed the criteria for the for the for the for the tender with National Treasury, mm. we had four sets four principles that we laid out. We said we want localization. In other words, we don't want people to import the devices uh, so that we can stimulate the ah, local economy. Ah, got you. We wanted SMME, we wanted uh, development, we want BE, yeah. and we wanted people to show their ability to supply. Hmm. Um, so both failed on the ability to supply. Yeah, uh, even though they may be small and BEE and yeah. all that. Yeah, okay. So we then had to relax it from 50,000 to 10,000, and now we have suppliers that, that, that qualified. Then we decided because we lost... Oh, and the other thing that also people forget, they say that this disadvantaged students, which, which is... Uh, the, the other point that I wanted to make is that whilst our own procurement process is underway, I encourage universities to use their own procurement process to go ahead and then claim the money back. Got so you. Yeah. More I than see. half of the students actually then did receive the devices. Mm. Um, and uh, so w- while this process was going on, um, of course, the acquisition of devices proceeded and some students got it. But some people want to say that because the devices were not available, students suffered during the COVID period. But there were universities yeah. that deliberately said they are not going to get devices yeah, I know exactly they, what they you are mean. going to use yeah. paper. Yeah. You know, like QT yeah. said, we are not going to get devices, we are rather going to go the paper route. And so this is absolute nonsense where people say that we mm. delayed. And the devices, as I hope to pointed out earlier, was not meant just for COVID. It's meant for ongoing. You know, it's not mm, just mm, a yes. COVID response. Yeah. Because we want our students to have computers mm. when they go forward. Mm. And so when they're going join the world of work, they should be able to work on a computer. So, uh, because it came too late now for 2020, we decided to kick it in in 2021. So, from 2021 onwards, it will become a regular feature, which, to my mind, is actually a bit better, because you start off at the beginning of the year and not in the middle of the year. Okay. So, one day I'll write this book about this. I think (laughs) I cannot wait to read the book and all the other things in between, the sleepless nights and so on. Here's a question that comes from somebody who says, I'm a landlord and I found that during COVID, some students who did get their allocation did not pass on their rent money. How do I apply directly to NSFIS? Because I'm struggling at the moment. Yeah, we we do not deal directly with uh, uh, landlords because it's just too many. I mean, if you talk about 700,000 students, you can imagine the logistics around it. The universities deal with the landlords. 
and the universities by now should have contacted all the landlords to come to some form of arrangement. And the ones that did come to arrangement are quite stable because they both agree that COVID was a difficult period mm. and that sacrifices will have to be made from both sides. So uh, universities requested the landlords to lower their um, to, to lower their, their fees yeah. for because of, of the extension of the academic year because some universities will only complete 2020 in in, April, in March, February, March. Mm. And so we say, well, not me, but the department then asked the universities and the landlords to come to some form of agreement. Uh, because if, you know, it, it, it's a complicated situation. If students didn't use the service during COVID, I mean, I can expect them to pay. Mm. But yet we also understand that we need the landlords going forward because they perform an essential service yeah. uh, to provide decent accommodation. So, so that conversation must happen between universities and the landlords, and I hope that they will get in touch soon. Yeah. And, and like I said, in the places where they did have meaningful conversation, there's quite a bit of stability. Okay, lovely. Here's a voice note, um, Doctor, and then uh, we'll probably read, uh, wrap it up then. Hi, Pimeno. Can you ask the administrator to look at the management of the NSFAS funds at Motel FET College? Year in, year out, that institution, there is always strikes of students uh, uprising against the non-payment of their accommodation and uh, meal subsidies. Can you look into that? Thank you. Okay. Um, do you have any update on Moteo FET College? I take that it's Moteo in uh, Bloemfontein. Um, so I've made a note. I will ask the head of our team at college to make contact. Okay. Uh, if this student mm. can just give us some specifics, if okay. you can even SMS it to me, sure, uh, so that we can look at this particular case. Uh, but we also uh, will engage the college to see what outstanding issues there are because uh, we are already planning for 2021 and yeah. we've wrapped up for 2020. We sure. don't want any outstanding issues to remain. Yeah. But we will. I will follow up. I will make that commitment. Well, from us to you, happy holidays. Thank you for the work that you've done. Uh, we wish you really all of the very best. Um, as you can hear from our listeners, I think, um, you know, you said you can't be the, the person, uh, you know, uh, banging your own drum. But I think a lot of people have really said, you know, you've done really, really well. Thank you. Thank you. And, and all the best for the future. Simon, thank you. And you've been a good friend to me, SFM. Thank you, Dr. Randall Carolison, outgoing NSFAS administrator.